G.I. Joe, the action-adventure movie you've been waiting for. Hey, why didn't you just yell, look out? Oh, didn't you read my green sheet? I'm a man of action. G.I. Joe! G.I. Joe, the most exciting adventure ever. Watch it. Welcome to a uh, brand new 2015 uh, numero uno edition of the Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. This is the ushering in 2015 with a bang. First of a, of a new era. A new era. <laughs> a whole new. We've, 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 we've placed the bar very high this, this year uh, with what we're going to be talking about. Very, very intellectual, uh, very highbrow. Yeah, we're very very convoluted. Taking it out of the gutter. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna prop it up. We're gonna have a lot of um, a lot of stuff. We're gonna have a lot of philosophy. The, we're mixing the Criterion in. Collection of, of podcasts. Yes, this is gonna be the <laughs> this is the this is the year where we just we just take podcasting to a whole different level, and we figure we'd usher in 2015 and 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 bringing the quality and the intellectual quality of our podcasting to a different level for Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers with a... Um, oh, by the way, I'm uh, Dion Baia. I'm joined with Jay Blake. Uh, happy to be here, as always. Um, and you are listening to Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers, as we said. Uh, we decided this uh, to usher in the new year with a movie near and dear to our hearts, my heart, your heart. I think it's much closer to being near and dear to your heart than my heart. Uh, it is um, though I do have fond memories. Yeah, it's one of these way down the alley, much like uh, last month's uh, Ernest Saves Christmas. <laughs> um, we are talking about 1986's Transformers the movie, and I think people would have thought when we say we're going to do Transformers, you think we do the Michael Bay, Shia LaBeouf, Mark Wahlberg movies, and we said no, 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 nine, 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 nine <laughs> for those Germans out there. We we were going to take it way back, way down the alley, way down the alley. And do a movie, uh, I guess, you know, but I think it is certainly clutch for a lot of people of our age because of the era. I mean, we we both are certainly cartoon fans. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was certainly, I think, a, a climax or a turning point for animation at the time because it brought it into a different level. This yeah. got a theatrical release. It was taking a weekly, not weekly, daily, mm. weekday afternoon popular cartoon show which was a commercial for yeah, toys exactly well yeah we'll get into that too and and and, bring and it, bringing it to the big screen and and not only doing that they brought some heavy hitters with them um you know voice talent yeah as well. I mean, not that that really mattered no it didn't us, but, but it was at the maybe it made it made like my dad dragging my cool dad to time. see it yeah <laughs> I mean, but, I, but i mean at the time i certainly knew who i think the majority of the people were i mean well we'll get into who everybody was but it did that. It, it, it had a theatrical release, so it's like, oh crap, I gotta go see it in the movies. And then it had this whole other uh, controversy behind it, which was pretty funny. And it just goes to show, like, um, you know, who is really heading the head of these marketing companies and these companies who don't really think about who they're marketing their products to. Yeah. Um, as uh, Jay Blake has alluded to, this is it's it's weird the. I love Transformers. I guess growing up, and we've we've alluded to this on our many co- podcasts that you and I have done on um, the sidecasts on Podwitz.com. Yeah. Uh, everyone out there who have not heard those, we have a whole slew of them. You should go check them out at Podwitz.com. We do a sidecast about various topics. We've talked about toys, and my parents growing up, uh, which you th- say is genius. I, say I think it's, it's I think it's a brilliant move on their part, though I can <laughs> see how it would be disappointing for you. Uh, they they limited me to two franchises to collect from. So they said it wasn't my parents; it was my mom. Yeah, yeah. And my dad would buy me stuff, and my mom would actually take it back. So and I picked Transformers and GI Joe, yeah, and yeah. so I missed out on Mask, He Man, Star Wars, any other he- Inhumanoids. Uh, yeah, I don't know anything else you can think of. But I mean, once in a while, I get something else. Yeah, not yeah. say it w- they weren't horrible, <laughs> but you know, I couldn't just Bre- start breaking in, <laughs> yeah, in front of you. Of Although. <laughs> My dad did buy me a, uh, a He-Man one time, and she she returned it. Yeah. And I was so pissed. I told you this that I, I tried to. I saw an episode of Dukes of Hazard the night before where the the redhead kid from Terminator Two in different strokes was in it, and he was a mute on the show because some traumatic event. So I tried not talking for like an hour. 
<laughs> it only lasted about a half hour. I didn't, I didn't answer her question. She's like, fine, you're not going to eat that. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry. So, but, I mean, I collected Matchbox and stuff. But, anyway, long story short, too late. These were the two big heavy hitters for me, the Hasbro, G.I. Yeah. Joe, and Transformers. You know, what I, f- I, I, you know I, I don't know. There's a lot of thoughts about uh, revolving around this movie. Um, one, I would say that... Uh, this is my third viewing of the movie. Ever. Ever. Wow. I saw it in the theater. Yeah. I watched it with you when we were in college. Wow. <laughs> and then you just watched it with me for this time. <laughs> and then we just watched it on a late Saturday night. With our Mega Joke Cola and our, <laughs> our chocolate bars and our Jiffy um, And did we watch it together? We, don't, we watched it like in freshman year. Freshman year, yeah. Wow. In the in our I don't have dorm, no recollection of that small dorm room, which is funny because at the time it was out of print, and I had a bootleg of it. But you know, uh, I guess eBay wasn't really around then. But around that era, right before it was released on DVD in like two thousand two thousand one, people were paying like hundreds of dollars at conventions or on yeah, eBay yeah. or online for this thing because they only had a VHS release, and then a lot of the the VHS stores just sold off or the VHS really broke, yeah, and then yeah. so yeah, you couldn't find it at the time. Um, but growing up, yes, I mean, I watched all those cartoon shows. G.I. Joe was really kind of, when I, nowadays I think of G.I. Joe as really being like my fucking thing. Like, that's the thing I remember. But at the time, I don't think I favored G.I. Joe over Transformers or I watched, I certainly watched them both. But like, I can't remember anything about the cartoon show now. Yeah. It's like I blocked everything out. About both of them? G.I. Yeah, Joe, I do remember. Oh, like, I, like specific episodes. Yeah. I mean, I watched Mask and stuff, and I guess I don't really necessarily remember specific things about the Mask cartoon show or whatever. But I think it's really interesting for me that, like, for some reason, I do remember G.I. Joe. Yeah. But, like, I can't remember anything about Transformers. I remember the toys that I had, yeah. but I don't remember, like, anything about the actual show itself. You can't remember, like, plot arcs and stuff. No, yeah, no. Like, that. like, character names other than, like, you know, Bumblebee yeah. and Optimus Prime. And, well, it's interesting. You know, a handful yeah, of, yeah, the yeah. Main, of the main characters. So, coming back to this for the third time, did you now... Oh, oh, any memories on when it came out in 86? Did you see it in the theater? I did see, I remember my dad took me. Oh, you bastard. We, we went through this period where... Um, you know, my parents were separated or divorced or whatever. Uh, um, and there was like this period where my dad would like pick me up after school and take me to a movie. So like a weeknight and, uh, 86, I don't know, first grade. I don't know. <laughs> second. And, uh, so I do Fall remember he took us, it was bro. just me and him. Yeah. And we went to see it. Um, I kind of remember, like, where we sat. Yeah. Like, my vantage point of the screen, but other than that, I don't really remember too much. I remember Optimus Prime dying. Yeah, that was huge. <laughs> uh, I I remember uh, the big hoopla that it's coming out. I remember that at the time in 86, I had not thinking, like, they're making a movie, and I immediately thought it was going to be, like, a live-action movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because nowadays, you know, we had no preconceived notions of, um, you know... CGI. So I, I'm thinking of it in my. I remember having the image in my head of like Starscream, and like you know just seeing a jet flying. Like oh, they're gonna have they're gonna have like maybe guys in cardboard or you know yeah, sort of yeah. like that kind of thing. And then oh no, it's stupid. It's an animation. So I remember my dad taking me to see it. But then instead he said, "Listen, we can either go see it or we can go have a day at the local amusement centers. They had arcade games." Now I, I said, "Let's go to the arcade game place." So I, we spent the afternoon there. And I probably just like spent a hundred dollars worth of quarters. <laughs> and I remember we're leaving, and my father commenting, "We're getting in the car." To this day, I remember he's like, "You know, it probably would have been cheaper for me to take you to see the Transformers the movie." And I was like, "Yeah, you know." And then I saw it when it came out on video, uh, which is weird because I always remember the the obscenity being in it, which was yeah. deleted for the VHS version. Um, but then my father watched it with me numerous times. So it wasn't like he didn't want to see it. I think it was just like, hey, what would you rather do today? Yeah, yeah. And it was one of those enticing things. You know, it might have been even one of those things. Like, tell your mother we went and saw this. Like, he did that with, uh, we were going to go see Short Circuit 2. But then when we got to the movie theater, he's like, we're actually going to see the Deadpool, the last three here. But don't <laughs> tell your mother. So to this day, she still thinks that we went and saw Sur- Short Circuit 2 instead of we saw uh, Clint Eastwood's uh, Deadpool. So, yeah, I didn't see it until VHS, but I wore that VHS out. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it was so iconic. And then such crazy shit happened in it. Um, 
I mean, the basic story of the movie is it takes place 20 years, the year's 2005, <laughs> takes place 20 years after the show uh, in the 80, 85, and it's basically, it's the, the never-ending battle between the Autobots and Decepticons, and this new threat is, comes in, which is this, this planet-like um, uh, transformer called Unicron, and he uh, threatens, like, the whole galaxy. He's just devouring planets one yeah, thing at yeah. a time. And it's very similar to, like... Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. In that way, yeah, it? it's, it's it's weird how a lot of it. Well, it, it mirrors everything. I mean, I love. I mean, full disclosure, I love this fucking movie. I mean, I know it has so many problems, but I mean, this is like Shakespeare to me. This movie, uh, and then uh, getting back to the plot. So uh, their uh, Decepticons try to intercept the, the, the Transformers. There's a big battle at the beginning. All season one and two, basically season one's Transformers that you grew up with on the TV show, get killed off. Yeah. Uh, by the end of Act One, you have almost a whole new generation of toy or, or toys of characters that you met at the beginning of the movie, and then it's there. Um, they're on the run for half the movie in various adventures. They end up on two different planets. Uh, they end up getting back together at the end. And they have this big climactic battle where the Autobots and Decepticons kind of pseudo Lee, if that's a um, uh, a word have to come together to fight this overall villain, the the bad guy coming into town, you know, yeah. and they ultimately, um, uh, what is it? Let me say, not, they, they defeat him, yeah. and they're <laughs> able to save the day, and then they leave it open for sequels. And this movie came out to bridge uh, between season two and season three of the show, and it's interesting that. Uh, Season one came out. They started the development on the movie by the end of season one. When season two came out, uh, they were already animating the movie. So you didn't get any really any of season two's characters in the movie. You get, like, they didn't really play a big role. Maybe they're just here or there in the background. Uh, but you don't see hardly any of season two's uh, new additions. Uh, because basically, the, like uh, Jay Blake alluded to earlier... It's a movie just to sell. It was the Transformers were designed by an advertising agency for Hasbro. They 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 were developed to sell toys, and, and I it, I guess related to to uh, to, to Japan. Yeah, and yeah. they had the pick of the litter. They picked I guess maybe that there was some sort of earlier thing going on in Japan with Transformers, and they they were able to pick what they wanted. They they developed this hugely successful franchise here, and at a certain point they wanted to just stop. Uh, making the original line and introduce a new line. So they figured, yeah. let's just make this movie and use this movie to kill everybody off <laughs> so they can just introduce a whole new line. Which is like a crazy move. I mean, I think in hindsight, we all remember the death of Optimus Prime. But while you're watching it, it's like there is so much death well, in this it's, it's so it's so and it's like tossed. This, it's just like it is like and it's like insignificant in a way. It's it, just like they're getting thrown out the airlock. <laughs> you know, but that's, that, that, that's what makes it so it's great. like there's no there's like no drama to it. That, it's just like, you know, I guess because they're robots, I, you know, it's just like it's it's just I found it really interesting this time around to just notice like how like throw away. Like all these characters were, but they weren't. See, they they were treated that way, but they really weren't in the hearts of all these. I children know, but like Optimus them. Prime's is like the only one that had like got some kind of like dramatic moment. Yeah, out of everybody it. else was everybody just else throwaways. Was just like, <laughs> yes. that, Autobots and Decepticons. Um, well, I mean, I would say I would argue Megatron and then Starscream yeah. kind of got Megatron got a rebirth. The, the, you know, it's 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 ironic that it's it's a good lesson in marketing to, to, that. They just think that they can just kill everybody off. Kids will be fine with that, and they're just going to be substituted with new roles. You know, there's going to be toys assuming the same roles where almost all the kids identified. Yeah. And they become such icons where they had, they were forced, that there was such an uproar, they had to bring back Optimus Prime. They eventually brought back Megatron, transcended into Galvatron. But, you know, I guess the four of them, Megatron, Optimus Prime, Bumblebee for these new movies, and, like, Starscream, those people, they're so iconic they just didn't think of the ramifications of just blowing these kid characters away. Yeah. So right from the beginning, like on the TV show, no one ever got 
killed. Yeah, I yeah. mean, maybe I think there was an episode where one or two got killed, but usually they yeah. got hurt. They well, were like, pretty fucked the, up. The whole thing with like GI Joe was that like yeah, everyone the, would worst out. worst aim ever, and then if like they're in a vehicle, if you're in a plane, parachute. And you'd parachute. See a parachute yeah. I, I see a parachute. Okay, you know, no one would go in for the kill. But in this, when the movie hit, they just they were getting killed left and right, and it was quite startling for the child who hadn't seen that before in the world of Transformers. So it made it that more brutal and. I absolutely adore the first act of this movie up until uh, Megatron is given his new body of Galvatron. And it's it's an odd structure because basically, like the cl- the climax of the movie happens within the first twenty minutes of the movie. Yeah, and then the rest of it is just <laughs> establishing all these new characters. It's that like we're it's see. like you said, like setting up the next season of the TV show. But like the huge climax is that like that you know it's not like opening, but it's pretty much like the opening battle. Yeah. And that's where we lose Optimus Prime. That's where we lose a lot of these characters. That's where the the word shit gets thrown out. Yeah, right, right in the middle of, yeah, when they're trying to get away. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people know this lore now, is that they put shit in deliberately because uh, if it was rated G, G-rated movies only run for a certain time of the day. And they were trying to aim this semi to college kids. So they wanted to get a little swear in, shit or damn it, yeah. which uh, Robert Stack ends up saying later, so that it would be PJ, and it can be played, PG can be played all hours of the day, so it can be played in the evening as well. So that yeah. they threw that in, and that also horrified parents so much yeah, so yeah. that... I was going to talk to you, like, I you mean, know, okay, so now there's, like, we see that there was, like, a reason for it, but, like, I just wonder, like, how much discussion. There had, they had to have talked about it, for like hours and days, like this to say, like should he say it? I think like, it who's going to say it? I think it was like, the when's arrow, it going to say? It? I think it was. I the mean, th- because I could see like in a regular movie, but this is an animated movie based on a weekend, a weekday afternoon cartoon show. Yeah, and they say, I mean, it's not the f word. They say shit. They I know, say but, damn. But, I mean, I was even surprised but, they but say circa damn. Like nineteen eighty six, that was shit. Was not. You know, you know, now was, we now we throw that you know you could see that on TV you know, yeah. on on almost net, you know maybe not like the three major and four major networks but on any cable channel it's, you know they'll throw they'll throw shit out there but a nice back piece then of it was <laughs> yeah it was rather scandalous but at the same time I think the era was kind of different where uh, you know it was a little more relaxed where you know we we joke about this all the time you'd have an, uh, a PG rated movie like Excalibur or the remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers but there's breasts everywhere in it You're yeah like, yeah well, like movies but you know my, but yeah for my the cartoon, question is, is coming taking an audience from a television from a cartoon you know it's essentially a long episode of the show yeah um, so that's that's my that's why I find it kind of shocking like you're right like kids movies circa like the 70s and then rolling into the 80s especially a lot of kids movies were fucked up yeah <laughs> Secret of Nim you have a lot of stuff going you know, on like a lot of shit that we shouldn't have been watching back then um, but it's interesting this kind of set a bar because at the time all you really had were a lot of the Disney re-releases you had Care Bears the movie which actually ended up doing better at the box office which I also movie. feel like I saw I saw that in the theater That's I, didn't, I didn't know anything about it I didn't watch the Care Bears. I didn't have any Care Bears, but I think like my aunt wanted something to do for like take me and my cousins to go do something. I feel like that was huge when it came out. So we went to go see that. I saw that in the theater, and that was uh, another messed up story, which could maybe be another future uh, (laughs) podcast here. (laughs) You never know. Um, But it it so it had such a distinction at the time, and I feel like even though it was left to the same animation team to do it, I I do want to put on the table that I personally thought from reviewing. I have season one of the show, Transformers, and the art is god-awful. I mean, a lot of it is, you know, uh, you know, frames are painted wrong or yeah, stuff. You know, yeah. a lot, a lot of You always ups. know if there's, like, a rock on the side of a mountain and there's going to be an avalanche. You can always tell, like, what rocks on the avalanche yeah, which are going to move. Are going to be the ones that Or even, move. like, a miss, a miss shot, like, the guy's arms a different color. There's a lot of that, and there's a lot of just shitty, like, wow, I, c- I can't believe they outsourced it this bad. And I think... It's probably the same goes for G.I. Joe, Yeah, you yeah. know, the, the show. Now, when you get to this movie, I think the animation is superb. At least the detailing, like some, in the, some of the close-ups, like that iconic close-up of which was on the cartoon, uh, I mean, in the commercial where you have uh, Megatron like, it's over, Prime. You know, yeah, that, it's yeah. like, you know, where you see the cracks and certainly Optimus dying or at the beginning, the little montage of uh, the boy Daniel on the hoverboard into, the, into rod, uh, hot rods and you see like the... The grass blades coming up. It's very Japanese, yeah, yeah. very detailed. The, yeah, I would say that, like, circa 86, 
I would agree that the animation is impressive. I mean, it's a very Japanese. Yeah, thing. of course. Especially all the space stuff. And, yeah, uh, once you get it once out of Act One, when you get off of Earth, that's all very. It's it's re- but it was it was really. A lot of it is really beautiful. Um, what I found shocking was how poor, like the sound design is. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's very sparse in terms of like sound effects and a lot of like the action takes place just with like uh, uh over song yeah without, well without any real that like, is a... quote unquote production sound and the whole i mean that that climax of the movie that we were talking about in terms of like that first 20 minutes of the movie just plays that almost plays like music video after music video yeah it's it's, it's, it's the popular video. song of the time i've just taken out of my bag to, to reveal to uh, Jay the, the, the out-of-print Transformers soundtrack I have. And uh, that bad boy I had to buy uh, on eBay uh, just to say I own it. But it's interesting, the soundtrack at the time, they had they recorded... I mean, getting back to first the theme song, the Transformers itself, that's even a marketing... You know, that, that's even... You have to chalk that up to the brilliance of marketers an advertising agency, you know, Transformers more than meets the eye, Autobots in disguise, machines in disguise. Yeah, yeah. It's brilliant. So that's cool on its own. Then you have uh, the band at the time, Lion, who was popular at the time. They did the sound. They did the, the theme of the movie, which was like awesome, like dun, dun, dun. And it was very topical. That, the whole soundtrack is very 80s. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not and out the, of place at all. And there's a lot of... I see there's... I mean, and I think there's probably even stuff that didn't even make it. Yeah. To the soundtrack, because there's a lot of music in that movie. Um, you have Weird Al Yankovic in it. You have the guy Stan Bush. It's interesting to note, which I didn't know, that You Got the Touch was originally written for Cobra, the Stallone movie. And I don't know if it was not used or whatever, but it was laying around. They said, hey, let's use it for this. And he did two songs, Stan Bush in it. He, I think he did uh, Fight, Fight to Believe, and then they did the, he did You Got the Touch as well. Uh, like I said, you have the, the, the uh, Dare to be Stupid, the Weird Al Yankovic song in it. The other Stan Bush song is called Dare. Yeah, Dare. Not to be mistaken with Dare to be Stupid by Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> um, so the soundtrack plays a very heavy role, and I think that amps up the gravitas of it being a theatrical film. Yeah, You yeah. have very, like, you know, very uh, hair metal rock in it, and you're like, that's, this is fucking awesome. But I'm- with, like, the absence of, like, practical sound. Mm-hmm. It almost is like, I don't know, I almost feel like it kind of dumbs down. What's happening? Like, what's happening, but, like, just, like, the production values. Yeah. I mean, you talk about, like, animation, like, the, the cheapest aspect of it is doing the sound, you know? and But for, especially for an animated movie, it's so important. Um, so that was, like, the biggest kind of surprise and disappointment when I was watching it was just like how awful, like, not the the music soundtrack, but like the soundtrack of like the the, the world of the movie. Even when the they pull effects. out the they pull out the Matrix from, you know, Optimus Prime. That's all. It's all like silent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really just, weird. Um, I it was brought to my attention that the only stereo aspect of the movie is there is a scene at the very beginning when uh, the Decepticons first raid Autobot City and Hot Rod is trying to warn everybody what's happening and there is um, uh, a Decepticon that can t- turn into from a tank to a plane he turns into the tank and Hot Rod jumps onto his turret and swings the turret around and that is an actual stereo you can hear the, him swing on the turret. Aside yeah. from that, everything else, I guess, would be mono. <laughs> yeah, and it's really yeah. weird. And the only other thing that I can actually... I completely agree with you. The only other thing I can think that's really cool sounding in a movie, aside from the epic Megatron-Optimus Prime battle, is, the at the end, the transformation of Unicron. I think that sounded really cool. Like, yeah, when yeah. shit's turning up and all that very slow transformation. I mean, when you watch a lot of the anime, the Japanese animated stuff, especially from that time, the, the audio is usually kind of... It's also lacking in terms of uh, well, it's hard because it's stuff, like a second language as well. Yeah. We're watching it dubbed. Yeah, it's, but but that's what I always kind of attributed it to was that like we're watching like an English version of it. So, um, you know, I know like my like the DVD I used to have or probably still do have of like, the film Ninja Scroll, which <sighs> I another one like for that. this podcast. If you watch it with Japan in Japanese with English subtitles, 
Like, the soundtrack is way richer yeah. than when you watch it dubbed in English. I think I've only seen the dub version. You, you're, that's a movie you've introduced me to. Yeah, well, I used to have it on VHS, and it was the English dub oh, That's version, probably what I've seen. But it. now, and then eventually I got it. Did you ever see the TV show? I know that, that kind of, it begot a TV show, and I don't know how. Yeah, that, I don't know if I ever watched the TV show. Um, I think that's definitely something we should maybe do on this <laughs> we cast. Should. That was like, that, I discovered that around a little bit past kind of the era of stuff we have been talking about in terms of how old we were when we watched them. But uh, that was definitely a movie that I watched with my friends and, and stuff. That that was, it kind of fits for me in uh, Sleepover. And it's weird because Classic. that has Les Claypool, the, the, the lead singer of Primus, had something to do with like the, uh, the American, uh, the English adaptation of that. I don't know if he did that for that movie in particular or yeah. if it was he was maybe adapting anime movies for, for like, I think he had something to do with the, the English translation of the English, you know, having American dialogue or English dialogue, which is really odd. I did not know that. Uh, I remember seeing show. that in the credits. <laughs> yeah, um, For another show. So getting back to logistics of this, I never knew this until doing research for this, to this cast, that uh, I have the 2006 edition. They re-released it right before to make money so that when the first Michael Bay movie was coming out. Yeah. So they gave a nice, sweet two-disker. All, st- all kinds of special features, bells and whistles. They even give you like a teaser trailer to the first movie, which I think just ends up being that one where they're on um, the moon. You oh, know, yeah. that really cool teaser from the first... Oh, uh, uh, like the Mars rover. Yeah, the Mars rover. Sorry, Mars. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the only thing that's on there. Um, the Disc 1 has the widescreen version. Disc 2 has the full screen version. So for all these years, I've been like, no, I'm going to put the freaking widescreen version is because we've been taught widescreen is the way to go. Yeah, yeah. What I didn't realize is they animated it for three... And yeah, they just yeah. did what our parents always thought that we preached against. <laughs> they actually just put bars in to make it widescreen, to make it have it look epic. So uh-huh. actually, you're, you should watch the 4.3 version because you're, you're beginning the bottom and top, hmm. which I didn't know. So that's kind of like, I, I know this movie almost by heart, and it's like, oh, we should have watched it, that, you know, that version. Yeah, I wonder if there's a similar thing with... Um, Mask of the Phantasm. It very well might be. Because my DVD is 4.3, and I only got that somewhat recently, like really on the cheap, because I was I got into a thing where I was watching Batman the Animated Series, and I had never seen Mask of the Phantasm. Seriously? You know, up until like last year or two years ago. I saw that in the theater. And um, but Did then you it, like it? I loved it. Yeah. But then in researching it, there was a lot of talk of like, they were making it as a TV movie, so originally they were animating it four four three, and then all of a sudden, I guess with the success of the Batman movies, you know the the Tim Burton movies and stuff, they got the call from Warner Brothers like, you know what, we're going to release this shit in the theater. So then yeah. they had to go back and kind of reanimate the backgrounds and stuff to try to, to you know, to fit a widescreen format for the theatrical. Yeah, I find it kind of like a cheap shot where all these years I worked at a video store, I had to explain to, like, layman what Letterbox was because I certainly thought the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we went to film school. We, we've been programmed for Letterbox. Now we're in a world that is 16.9. It is yeah, Letterbox yeah. world, so we've kind of won the battle. But you have this where, they're, <laughs> you know, they're sneaking it under, you know, under the radar. And it's like, Bastards. oh, what the hell? Um, so let's see. Uh I guess before we move on, we should talk about the the voice talent that's in this movie. Okay, yeah. Uh, um, before we get to, like, the main stars of the voice talent, yeah. like, the ones that are specific to the movie, like, just listening, just watching the movie, it was, like, just, like, the all the regular characters before we get to... Well, the, you have... The, we have Frank Welker. I know. It was... But it was, like, listening to the voices of my child. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> you know, whether it's, you know, Transformers... Or G.I. Joe, like these guys, these people. Well, they were the session men, players at the time. They did voices for everything. I mean, you have, first of all, Frank Welker is a force to be wet reckoned with. Frank Welker is probably, aside from Mel Blanc, he is the king, king of voiceover work. He got his start in the late 60s. He was the voice, and still to this day, he might hold the record of um, Fred Jones on Scooby-Doo. And that is his original voice. Uh, it's a little more innocent because of the time. So, you know, it's a little more like, let's split up. Scooby, yeah. you go this way. But that's how Frank He Welker might even sounds. do, like, on that newer show that you kind of got me into watching. 
He might even do Scooby Doo. He does. On that. He's taken over Scooby because the the actor who played Scooby died in the late seventies. So he's been doing Scooby for how many years? He's also uh, he has his his list goes pages and pages long. He's you know like you he's Megatron. He's um, he's uh, uh, um, Soundwave. He's a half a dozen other miscellaneous voices on on Transformers alone. He is if we're getting into theatrical films. He is the scream of Spock in Star Trek Three. He is the uh, voice work of uh, Stripe and Gremlins. He is uh, anytime you hear a grunt growl, that is freaking Frank Welker. He uh, interesting. He took over for uh, Lorenzo Music when Lorenzo Music, the voice of Garfield, died. He's now the voice of Garfield, but he does everything. So Frank Welker, uh, I'm I'm leaving out a whole bunch, and it's interesting there because if you look at Ghostbusters, uh, the the real Ghostbusters cartoon show, he did the voice of um, uh, uh, Bill Murray's character on the yeah. TV show. And then when uh, G- uh, Garfield got made into a theatrical movie, M- Bill Murray went and did the voice of uh, Garfield, which he yeah, does yeah. now. But uh, he, does a, he does everybody. So that's Frank Welker right there. Go look Frank Welker up. Uh, Peter Cullen, who they actually used, he's the voice of um, Optimus Prime. He, they used him in the um, in the live action movies, which is I think the only person they brought in, which I thought was a huge, huge uh, uh, disappointment until like the second movie they brought Frank Welker in to do Soundwave and stuff. But they brought Hugo Weaving, is that his name, to do Megatron? Oh yeah, maybe. And I thought that was a complete the guy from the Matrix movies and the yeah, Lord yeah. of the Rings. I thought that was a complete waste of time. They should have kept everybody original if you're going to keep one guy original. Yeah. Um, he uh, he's also uh, was Eeyore on on uh, Winnie the Pooh. He's a half a dozen other guys. He has the very, I love, when I was little, I thought it was John Wayne voicing Optimus Prime. You know, my dad's like, no, John Wayne's dead. I'm like, no, he's not. He's voicing Optimus Prime. But it's like that kind of voice. Uh, and then you have another guy, Chris Lotta, who has passed away in the mid-90s from AIDS. He was a com- stand-up comedian in New York. Uh, and he did a lot of miscellaneous work in film, but he's the voice of Starscream and Cobra Commander. So he's that very raspy. Uh, and also, I was told recently, he's the voice of the Crypt Keeper. Which I don't know if that is substantiated or not, but yeah. that that you know tail thunder crap, you know that kind yeah, of yeah. you know those voices are so iconic. I can understand replacing him for the live action Michael Bay movies because he passed away. But why the hell replace Frank Welker? You know, it's yeah, like yeah. it's like doing Scooby Doo and replacing Scooby's voice or something or Garfield. So, uh, like you said, there's so many miscellaneous characters. Scatman Crothers, they brought him in because he was doing jazz on the TV show because he was doing a lot of voice work at the time. Uh, this was his last film. He passed away before the movie was finished. <laughs> the curse of Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have known? <laughs> uh, and then you have just a lot of other... You have uh, John uh, Masadia. Masia. He's the, the guy who's, who's, he was Blur. Oh, yeah, like the, the Micro Machine guy. Yeah. He was the fastest talking person, like, um, coherently in the world, and he's Blur. Uh, we have, of course, Orson Welles playing Unicron. Uh, amazing. His last role. He, I think... Uh, his last ADR or a voiceover session, five days later, he dropped out of a heart attack. So, like, he and, and there is huge speculation, which we could put the rest for years, that um, Letter Nimoy, who's also in the movie playing the voice of Galvatron, supposedly Orson didn't finish his voiceover work. So, it's been rumored for all these years that uh, Orson, uh, that Leonard Nimoy did a couple lines, and that is wrong. Orson did finish all his voiceover work. Another girl in it uh, who plays RC, Susan Blue, who's in a ton of 80s playing a little boy or a girl or, or anything female actress. Uh, she plays RC in the movie. She confirmed that at one of these bot cons, they have these um, yeah. Transformer um, Comic Cons for just Transformers. She confirmed that no, Orson did finish his shit. So I said Leonard Nimoy is in it. We have Robert Stack, who uh, for our parents' generations, uh, Elliot Ness and the Untouchables. Yeah. For us, he's freaking <laughs> Unsolved, Unsolved Mysteries. Mysteries. Yeah. So it becomes really r- 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 ominous words like, you know, if you've seen who killed uh, Optimus Prime, please call one eight hundred five three five three. And the, and it goes on. You know, Scott McCrudder. Also, was he's he's the thing, right? Ooh. Howard Hawks is isn't Robert Stack the? No, that's um, what's his face? Uh, the uh, uh, Gunsmoke, um, uh, Peter Graves' brother. Uh-huh. Um, uh, oh, you're putting me on the spot. I can't think. Peter Graves' brother is um. A real tall guy. Um, oh, we'll have one of our assistants look <laughs> at it. Uh, and also topical at the time, you had Judd Nelson rounds out the Brat Pack. He's in there. And um, you have a cameo by Casey Kasem at the very beginning, which is funny because he's the voice of Shaggy on Scooby-Doo. He plays Cliff Jumper right at the beginning. 
he does the countdown of when the rocket's taken off for the Autobots to go down to Earth. Um, so, and you also have a little camera by Eric Idle. He's in there too in in the second act of the movie on the Junk Planet on Junkian or Junkion. Oh yeah, Eric Idle. Yeah, Monty Python fame. Yeah, which is and it's really funny at the time. Um, he uh, he's on a yeah he's one of these Transformers on a Junk Planet, and then which is funny because he also spews junk when he talks about the advertising that he just says and he says commercials. So it's like not only does he live on a Junk Planet, he spews junk because of advertising and all this other kind of thing. He does. Um, James Ames. James James Amos. James Arnes. James Arnes. Yes, James yes. Arnes. There you are. James Arnes. There you go. Yeah. How can you James <laughs> James Arnes? Reading the writing. Here. Yeah, and ditto. We have, we Dude, have, the R N look like an M. Yeah, James Arnes. Exactly. He just passed away a couple years ago. James Arnes. He was the thing uh, from another world. So we have a huge, awesome voiceover cast. I, I love how they brought the gravitas of Robert Stack in there as Ultra Magnus. Yeah. As Orson, I think you can't cast Orson Welles any better than as a big. I would say Leonard planet. Nimoy delivers. Judd Nelson, not so much. No, which is weird. It seemed like it was like it just a, a, there, a there paycheck like, for him. Yeah, it was like just Judd, read this line. Yeah, <laughs> and then read. Okay, read the next line and, and give us one for safety. That's it. You're <laughs> out. You know, it wasn't like he was reacting to anything specific. You know, whereas Nimoy, I thought he brought it. Yeah, well, the story I heard with him is he came in and he and the first thing he said, "Do you have a bathroom?" And they're like, "Yeah." And he goes into the bathroom and he did like vocal warm ups in the bathroom for like 15 minutes and came out and like just plotted it out. He, and it seems like he's channeling like a very raging Spock. All that pent up emotion that he's been... All that pent up... He's been... You know, he's been trying to hold down because he's half human. Yeah. Um, he's in the middle of the ponfar. For that <laughs> no! Um, uh, it's interesting. Orson Welles in it, you know... it. Uh, at the time, people were very, very scared to work with him, um, voiceover people and producers. Yeah, because yeah. you of can that. hear like really funny clips like on YouTube. And yeah, stuff. there's that notorious of him just berating like a engineer and some producer about you know what is proper pronunciations, and that tape had got around, so people were very scared to work with. What him. What I don't think people realize because now it's like we look back at Orson Welles' career and we think of like Citizen Kane as being like the best movie ever made and all this stuff, but. Like, Citizen Kane, like, ruined his career. Yeah, it did, yeah. So it wasn't like he was, like, a big deal when we think of, like, his prime. I mean, he was kind of, like, the golden child. And then his prime was probably, like, when he did War of the Worlds, the radio show in the Mercury Theater. Yeah. But and he so kind of peaked at uh, what you're saying, yeah, Citizen Kane. And then, then they blacklisted and him. And then because of, like, political stuff and things with, like, the... You know, just stuff that's not worth going into for Transformers. Podcast. Yeah, he kind of, his but his career but, kind but of his, went downhill. But like that movie ruined his fucking career. Yeah, I mean, he has a whole, I'd say at least a half a dozen other great films that may people could argue is better than Citizen Kane. I yeah, don't know. That's yeah. not for this podcast. But he has some really awesome other films. But by the time you get into the sixties and seventies, he's doing like like low budget. He's still making movies, but he's doing like the John Cassavetes, where he's doing his own shit. So by the eighties. You know, he's still around, but he's, like, showing up doing weird things. And, like, it's not like... I'm not saying he wants a paycheck, but it's just, like, he's not really in demand. So he comes in and does this. And, you know, in his later years, I don't think it's a secret that he was rather large. He was yeah, a large yeah. man. Uh, you know, like alcoholic. I mean, yeah, all kinds. So it's, like, him playing a planet, it's freaking cool. <laughs> you know, and I just... I, I can't tell you how... I, I think that the character is so awesome of Unicron, just the whole idea. And I love the prologue of the movie. When you see this planet come out of nowhere and just devour this one planet, like everyone get, and it sets the tone for the movie. Everybody gets destroyed. This one shuttle's about to get away and gets sucked back in from the gravity, and you see it get rejuvenated. Um, it, it's 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 I, I loved it. Um, it's interesting. They say the lore. They came up with the idea of Unicron because originally there was going to be um, his name was going to be Ingester, and there was going to be another planet called Primus, and Primus eventually turned into Cybertron. And the idea was that Cybertron, to take care of Cybertron, that begot the Transformers to, to keep the maintenance up and the upkeep. And eventually they had to be aware that freaking maybe uh, Unicrons in the area could come back and try to fuck some shit up. So eventually, I guess there was stories, and I'm not too into the Transformers um, history and, and, and like genres I should be for this. So I know a lot of other people may know a lot more on this subject than I do and you, that you do. Yeah. But um, I guess they toyed with the idea of 
Cybertron actually being able to transform, and then that was like the battle, you know, the Unicron versus Cybertron. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, they were kind of related that way in, 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 a, in, a, in a, like, brothers kind of a thing. So uh, I just think it's such a cool idea, and it's such a cool, you know what, they, they were trying to think of an idea to elevate a story so that they, it wouldn't just be, like you said, like a long episode. And they're like, well, let's... Yeah, yeah. And that always seems to be how the story is. The first thing is, hey, let's bring everybody together, the bad guys and the good guys, to fight a common foe. You know, yeah, as yeah. Oh, and this is it. The bad guy in the block that comes in, fucks your wife, steals the, <laughs> you know, the pay, you know, takes your, you know, your car out for a ride, you know, pushing people around, and people got to come together. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. As a whole, it was okay. I, you know, being how, like like I said, the, the big climax of the movie is, like, so close to the beginning... I think by today's standards, it drags a bit after that until we get to the end of until yeah, we get you know, to it. Act two certainly does kind of, for me, drags. And I, lot, I'm sure there's some dragging. I mean, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of, we talked about the music, um, but the actual like score of the movie is real hit or miss for me. Like some of it I think is like awful. Yeah. And then there's some stuff that's like very like Blade Runner esque. Yeah. <laughs> That I think is amazing. Like every once in a while, you'll get like a cue in there, that and of, it, of like it, score that is so and like it, awesome, and it kind of like fits up right with the action on screen. So it's like adding to the tension, or yeah. Something. Like you know, and then there'll be like just throwaway, um, seeming um, I, I don't think it is, but like seeming almost like library, yeah. You know, soundtrack, mu- soundtrack music, filler stuff that just like kind of doesn't work all that great. But then you'll get like just a little gem, like a little pearl of like awesome like yeah. score happening. Um, it's interesting by the end of Act One, which is I, I keep restating that is my favorite of the whole movie. That you basically you lose almost the entire line of your season one. All the Transformers, you, you especially Autobots, yeah. you lose everybody. And I guess in the original script, they had an original script called the. Um, Let's see, what, where is the name? I had it written down somewhere around here. I think it's called like the, the, secret, the, Cy- the secret of Cybertron uh, was the original script. It was going to be a lot more gruesomer. I mean, they, were, they really accidentally a- actually held back with the brutality that they were really going to inflict cho- to children f- for this movie. Like, like, um, <laughs> there was going to be like a, uh, like a charge of the light brigade where all the Autobots were going to go through just a whole, like, you know, throng of Decepticons, and everyone's going to get killed off. And they're just, they were just going to kill everybody off one at a time. So everyone you, that you held near and dear to your heart was just going to be annihilated. And, again, doing research into this for this podcast, it was kind of explained to me the reason why, for the TV show, no one ever gets hurt, but in this movie, everyone's just dropping like flies. And I guess it's not really explain, explained properly, but Autobot City, where they are, it's 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 on an ocean or on a river. It's supposed to be like a a powerhouse where they make the energon, and they're using the water like the hydroelectric power to make your energon. Okay. And the moon, or one of those 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 the, the Cybertron's moons that they're on, yeah. Uh, that's like where they're making weapons or whatever. So, uh, Megatron. You're talking about like there's like two moon. Yeah, bases? The two. Yeah, moon bases. Yeah, and then the Autobots are on one, and they're or, or they on Cybertron. They're I think they're on the moon bases, and yeah. Well, like it opens with like Optimus is on one of the moon yeah, bases. and then the other one like Jazz then, like, is on the other one. Yeah, with, with Spike. With, with Spike. Yeah. yeah, the father of Daniel. Um, so they're going down to like recharge at, at Autobot City, and Megatron's uh, f- um, I guess uh, idea is if he's able to get the you know the Autobot City, which makes the power, he can essentially just you know get all the power he wants there, and then he can go after whatever. So that's, the, that's his reasoning behind attacking Autobot City. So the speculation is that... And who explained this to you? Because it's not in the movie. <laughs> no, it's not in the movie at all. No, this is from, from reading on fans and all this, and, oh, I, and okay. about script uh, ideas. So the, the speculation is that they are low on Energon because we know that their life revolves oh, around from TV shows Energon. So they're weakened. They're weakened, so that's why they're able to just get taken out. Like they're, that, only, they're only running on like one bar. We have... Power. At the beginning of the movie, um, Megatron intercepts uh, what's going on, that they're sending a shuttle down to, this, to, to, to Earth. So Megatron's like, you know, he, he hijacks the shuttle, yeah, and, he, and he gets in. Should, yeah. And it is brutal. The opening sequence of that, just everybody gets laid out. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's, like, frightening for kids. Kids are wet in their pants. Um, at the end of the sequence, you have Ironhide, who at the time was, like, uh, also Peter Cullen, uh, who was uh, Optimus Prime's right-hand man. He's still alive, and, uh, you know, uh, Megatron lays out the exposition like, you know, you're an idiot, Starscream, we're going to do this, and blah, 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 And then, you know, 
uh, Ironhide's still alive, and he grabs Megatron's leg. He's like, no! Yeah. And it pans <laughs> up, and, and Megatron's like, such heroic nonsense. Blows him away. Yeah, just so you see, like, the barrel of this giant, like, bazooka yeah, arm gun. Yeah, and he just blows him away, and, that, and the scene cuts. Now, my jaw dropped, and, like, I had to go to a doctor to put it back up when I saw that. I heard from uh, speculation online that parents right then were taking their kids out of the theater. Like, this is way too violent for my kid to be seeing their kid. You know, kids didn't know what to make of it because, oh, my yeah. God, things are dying. So we get to the big epic battle. I love the Optimus Prime Megatron battle. I think it's amazing. I think it's awesome. Every line out of it's like freaking, you know, you can, you can use it in other movies. You know, like, one shall stand, one shall <laughs> fall. You know, why do you throw your life away so recklessly? You know, like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, every, you know, I'll rip out your optics. Like, everything I think is awesome until even the end. Uh, end of the battle, they're both just fight each other to a pulp. It's almost like Shakespeare, the two kings going at it. And then you have Optimus dying. And the Optimus dying scene, I think, just took kids by surprise. And I don't think there was a dry eye in the house. Yeah. It, w- it, was, it was unbelievable for children at the time. And it was so much so that I think mothers, I think there was even speculation that some kid locked himself in a room for two weeks, didn't want to eat because Optimus <laughs> Prime died. Like, it was like crazy shit was going on. Yeah, yeah. So there was such a backlash for Hasbro that one Hasbro was so scared that they'd alienated their, 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 their marketer, that their, their market, which are the children, that they already they put in a pipeline to try to rejuvenate or bring back Optimus, which is funny because in season three, they end up bringing him back as a zombie. And he gets killed again by the end of the episode. <laughs> and it's one of the best episodes, I think, yeah. of all time. Um, I like it. I remember it growing up because it was so freaky. And a lot of the fans regarded it as a very good episode. But also, it changed the uh, destiny of G.I. Joe the movie. Because at the time, G.I. Joe the movie... G.I. Joe the movie, also by Hasbro, came out... Uh, went into production first. But for some reason, Transformers hit the market and got a theatrical release before. Uh, with Optimus dying it changed the destiny of Duke because they were going to kill Duke off. And this was going to be another thing with G.I. Joe. They wanted to usher in a whole bunch of new different toys yeah, for G.I. Yeah. Joe. So because of the backlash, and they have already animated, they were, I think they were like in a rough cut stage for G.I. Joe. Uh, G.I. Joe, Duke gets a spear through the chest. <laughs> yeah, Very yeah. bloody, if you remember. And he was supposed to die then, but then they're like, oh, he's falling into a coma. Like, yeah. they're able to determine right there. And then at the, end of the, at the end of the movie, they just have, like, somebody on a hand radio, like, gee, I, uh, Duke's woken up. Everything's okay. <laughs> you know, so that even changed the destiny of, of, yeah. of that thing. And no, that I movie, don't recall, yeah, I don't recall G.I. Joe getting a theatrical it, release. No, I was going to say, it did not get a theatrical release. It went straight to video, and then it aired, like, as, like, a five-parter with Sergeant Slaughter doing the intro Well, it definitely, on when I watched it, and I think at some point we will probably end up doing it, so I don't want to talk too much about it, but I do remember watching it, like, as a TV movie in one chunk. Okay, because I, I remember... And then I think it probably then later got split up into a five-parter. Yeah, with, like, you know, uh, Sergeant Slaughter, um, you know... Oh, yeah, like, like opening yeah, it, doing it Yeah, he's doing the raps, you know, look here, you... <laughs> yeah, you know... Um, the, the the writer of this movie, Transformers the movie, Ron uh, Friedman, did a lot of Fantasy Island. He did The Fall Guy. He did a lot of 70s, Starchy and Hutch. He came, he was friends of Stan Lee, and Stan Lee got him into doing, uh, I guess, cartoons, and he pitched the five-part of The Rise of Cobra, which became the five-part miniseries pilot for G.I. Joe. He got that done, and then he went in and he wrote this. And there's a lot of talk about different writers coming in and working on the script and that's why there's a lot of like plot holes in this freaking movie Transformers the movie I'm talking about yeah yeah uh, but he had a lot of work to do on both the series so um, it's interesting that by the time then you have G.I. Joe the movie coming out it doesn't get a theatrical release it's played down a little bit more and they have to turn things around because of such a backlash where the writer this guy Mr. Friedman didn't want to kill Optimus Prime and he tried to talk to Hasbro but the middleman which was this advertising agency Never talked. Hasbro was like, no, we have a great idea. We're going to, you know. And it's well, interesting. That they take like an awesome, like take Hot Rod, who is an awesome fucking Transformer. One that I, you know, that I had as a kid. Yeah. After this, like a really cool fucking car. They turned me into a camper van. And then making like <laughs> a really fucking cheesy, like just another like truck camper van thing. It was, so they took like an awesome toy and then they... For the and then for the for the movie and then for the season three they ended up making him like a really cheesy fucking yeah it's weird well they had him did you notice that he he kind of aged when he gets the matrix at the end he kind of looks different yeah, he looks yeah. older a little more reserved a little more he's not the kid anymore um it's 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 quite weird uh it's interesting that 
you know, Prime is pushing the Matrix, which is this device through the movie, which is um, the, the, the writer says he got the idea with the popes because evidently every time a pope dies, he touches the next pope. And this has been going on since the beginning. It'll go on forever. So the idea of giving the Matrix away, it's, it's this succession of lines of people. The, uh, Optimus is pushing on the only guy in the room who can the Ultra Magnus and Ultra Magnus Robert Stack's like I don't want yeah, this I'm not worthy I'm like, a soldier <laughs> yeah, I'm I, I, I can't do this and it's interesting that once he gets it he proves he makes like every wrong decision in it you know he, he, he keeps making these bad decisions that get him in all this trouble or his line is like I can't deal with that right now <laughs> until he's destroyed and that's another thing that they cut up because at the time it was deemed too violent is his death where I guess all the uh, once Megatron is transformed into Galvatron and all the other guys that Unicron turns into these new Transformers, they go to the planet to get the Matrix. They strap like whips to him and they pull him apart, rip him apart. So, uh, which we should say for people that haven't seen it, like Megatron and these other, like Ultron makes him makes transforms Unicron. them. Unicron, I'm sorry, the Voltron, <laughs> uh, not Voltron, but. Uh, uh, Unicron, he's the one that transforms them into new well, things. I, you're Megatron, gonna, you're Megatron la- into Galvatron. And you're going to laugh and roll your eyes at me, but that scene, that's this, the sequence, since we're talking about it, from when you have Starscream just throwing them out, you know, like we're like the 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 one yeah, deceptive guy's like, I gotta shed some weight. Yeah, because yeah, I can't. Yeah, so he, they 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 basically just throw out all the crippled people who are wounded, and it's so great because it's so evil and conniving. I love that sequence, but I l- I think one of the best cinematic I'm putting it out there one of the best cinematic scenes in history is the scene between Megatron and, and Unicron. I just love that this it's like a uh, the evil it's like selling your soul to the devil. It's like you know this this evil like Hitler going to the devil a god and like you know he's selling his soul I will do your bidding and just the the dialogue between the two of them but you're right he they're drifting in space left for dead and Unicron become you know Unicron of course I think has already planned this out he finds him and he's like hey look you know you're, I'll give you a whole new body yeah, and a whole yeah. new people to command if you do you know you go get the only thing that can hurt me which we find out later he puts a hit out on it and he and, he, and Megatron reluctantly agrees and then he gives him a whole new body and all that and turns into Letter Nimoy from Frank Welker. <laughs> turns <laughs> Frank Welker was back. Yeah, well, he ended up doing the... Uh, when, when, when the season three came out, Frank Welker got the role back. He started doing Galvatron. Yeah. So then, you know, uh, Unicron says, go get the Matrix and bring it back to me. So, of course, uh, he tracks him down to the junk planet and uh, he could, they, they, they confront Ultra Magnus. And back to what we were saying is they, they supposedly ripped him apart. You know, if you listen to the audio... The, how it was recorded, it sounds like Robert Stack's like, like he's getting ripped apart. And then, unlike all the other guys who just die and, you know, uh, Ultra Magnus literally falls to pieces. So I think they must have just re-edited him getting yeah. shot. And then, because then the uh, Junkians are able to put him back together, Eric Idle characters, which is a huge plot hole, which I guess is reminiscent for us of the new Star Trek movie. It's like, if these Junkians can put Ultra Magnus back together, why can't he, they go to Earth and just put, <laughs> all, you know, uh, Optimus Prime and all these other guys back together because this was the thing with um, the blood of um, what's his name in the new uh, dark oh, yeah, yeah. darkness. What is it the, into darkness? Yeah, you know where it's like you know if if you can bring back uh, Kirk, why don't you bring Pike back and everybody? <laughs> you know, so um, where am I? I'm I'm going off on tangents on tangents here. So uh, yeah, I love that scene. And so then it 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 kind of falters like you said in the middle of Act Two, and then. It kind of ends suddenly. Then you have the uh, Galvatron gets the Matrix and he says, you know, fuck you, Unicron. I'm going to now I've got the the power and he goes back and tries to confront him as you do. And Unicron's like, no, you know, now now you you know, now you're you know, you're you're asking to throw down. I'm going to take the shit out and throw the shit at you. And he turns into this huge, huge freaking robot, this slow, beautiful transformation and then attacks Cybertron. And this is the final battle where the Autobots and Decepticons kind of come together and and end up defeating um, uh, Unicron in this big battle where uh, Hot Rod is able to to take the Matrix, open it up, and it just makes Unicron tear himself apart trying to get at it. And then that ends up, uh, he ends up blowing up, and then his head ends up floating in space, which becomes a huge part of Season 3 for the movie. Whew. Yeah. Uh, So, okay for you, huh? It was okay. I, you know, I think it drags. Like, I, I wish it was better. <laughs> yeah, I wish it was better done. 
Um, and like I said, it's not so much to talk about like the animation. That doesn't actually bother me. You think just like script hole plot holes? I think and the just... script is not great. Like I said, the the like the the actual audio track really bugged the shit out of me this time around for some reason. Um, I don't know. It was okay though. You know, at the end of the day, it was a walk down memory lane. Memory lane, you know. So I can't complain too much about it. Not my favorite, but uh, certainly not off. You know, not you know, not my least favorite thing ever. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm trying to see if we've left anything out here. Uh, I like the the quintess the uh, quintessons, which is like in the in Act Two, when Hot Rod and, and the other guy Cup go to that planet, and, the, and you have this uh, this multi faced. Uh, robot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they end up in season three. They end up being the um, backstory of. The, they end up being the people supposedly in the lore that built the Transformers in season three. You learn that, but I don't think that was really established that canon for uh, yeah for the movie. And I like it's interesting. I, I wonder if that irony is lost on a on a seven or eight year old what they're doing, where they're just systematically murdering. They they round up these robots or whatever, and they're just guilty or innocent. And they're like innocent, and they're just killing them. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. kind of frightening. And I like how they—they, they, uh, I guess we're knocking the script so much. I like how they do bring back the sole survivor of the epilogue of Unicron, where he kills that planet. There's one guy that survived. Now he's locked up, and he's the first one to get killed. It's kind of like yeah. sad. He's the last of this race, and these freaking quinta quintessons are just like you yeah, know yeah. knocking him. So I like that sequence. That was cool. The, the connotations there. Uh, I think it's cool, also an honorable mention, that they said that Eric Idle's character, uh, Rekgar, in the comic book, in the movie, he just spews junk, like I was saying. Just He just says, just like his planet, he's saying just radio transmissions and, and, yeah, yeah. and infomercials. In the comic book, he just says Mighty Python lines, which is kind of funny because Eric Idle voices him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's an interesting movie. Certainly not great. I It holds a, a, a place in my heart. I think it... It is very epic. It's kind of like a, um, like a Shakespearean tragedy kind of. It's like that classical archetype story where you know two different families or two different realms are battling, and uh, you know very much you see like in a Game of Thrones or yeah, any kind yeah. of you know archetype kind of a thing. Uh, and there's some clutch scenes, and like I said, I love the battle between Optimus and Megatron. That's awesome. And then that one scene for me when Megatron. And in a way, I mean, being the first cast of 2015 it was I, I felt like there was a little bit of uh, it was a, it was a it was a nice transition into the new year because it was like in a way I kind of felt like Christmas just happened it's light we opened up our Transformers <laughs> and now we're playing with them <laughs> this is the battle you know like this like that's when we would have gotten our toys you know, and now we're we're play we're playing with our transformers. You know, after um, after the new year, it's interesting to note as well for people like me who were such fans of the movie that I knew it line for line and owned it in '97 or '6 when Boogie Nights came out. That oh, there's yeah. suddenly you know when when um, that character I forget his name in the movie uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg's character is uh, trying to have a recording career. He's singing "You Got the Touch" and it, it's it's that song. And they talked to the guy who scored the movie on, I think in 2000, they came out with a, it finally on DVD where they restored the oh shit in the movie. And I think the only special feature was just like talking to this guy who scored the movie with the synthesizer. He's like, that's what I did. And they asked him about that. And he's like, I don't know who signed off on that. I don't know how it came, but yeah, it fit in there. So I wonder if it was because I read now that it was written for Cobra, that maybe people had rights to it. Or it wasn't yeah, just yeah. written for Transformers, the movie, the Stan Bush song. Yeah, yeah. But it's just really funny for it to just show up and you're like, what? He's singing, <laughs> he's singing You Got to Touch, you know, because it's very apropos for the Transformers movie because You Got to Touch, Matrix, and all that kind of a thing. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, yeah, it, ma- it really makes us then want to do G.I. Joe because I think G.I. Joe is, uh, is, is good in other reasons, other uh, reflects, but isn't in other, you know, it's still it, it's another movie that has an impressive cast of uh, voiceover actors. Yeah. Half of them are here because <laughs> they're you know they're they're the the, the seasoned uh, character actors, but then they have a lot of their own uh, celebrities in it. So it's something we should do in the like, almost like a double feature very soon. Yeah, I would love to. One, I haven't seen it in a really long, really really long time. Probably even more so than uh, even longer than 
this movie since we watched this one in college. Well, do you want it to be our next one? Do you want to do? A, 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 <laughs> we'll should we we'll pause see. this and, and watch it right now, or we'll give it some? <laughs> we still got a couple hours before daylight. All right, so maybe, we'll, we'll, maybe we should watch, and then we could do that for our next. Uh, it's like a two-parter. We'll do All right, it. okay. We're on the fly. We're making this part one. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're doing. We're calling an audible. We're gonna. This is part one of our of our introduction of our Hasbro Marvel <laughs> uh, consumer cast. Uh, so we'll we'll we'll, we'll Stop down, and in two weeks you'll have uh, part two of this. Where we're going to do GI Joe the movie, and it's almost like a companion piece. That it was good that we did this first because it, it, uh, unbeknownst to this movie, affected how GI Joe turned yeah. out. And we'll see how GI Joe, and we'll see if you like it better because your heart is clearly with the GI yeah, Joe. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see if it's a letdown for you or I. I'll tell you not to give spoilers away, but I think GI Joe the movie has some really fucking cool ideas that still haven't been. Explored in a narrative, yeah, yeah. Uh, very weird. Yeah, it's I very. I remember that movie. It's, it's very weird. Very. Uh, it's, uh, it's yeah. It's got a lot of cool things. So uh, I guess we'll leave it with that. Um, uh, rating, I guess, out of Mega Joe Colors for you. We usually do, you know, out of five. Yeah. I for me, I'd go two and a half. Wow, that's more than you gave uh, Ernest. Ernest, <laughs> you gave him two. Uh, I would do probably three, uh, three point five of. Uh, Saturday Night Movie Sleepover Stars. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for listening again. Um, go check out Transfer the Movie. It's readily available now anywhere you want. Uh, in this uh, posting, I'll include this awesome uh, interview to a link to the writer, Rod Freeman, who wrote the movie, and the um, other guy who was the producer for both G.I. Joe and Transformers, uh, Flint Dill. I'll include two links to those uh, nice interviews with them talking about this and then G.I. Joe and Transformers in general. Um, a shout out I guess to the director. His name was Nelson uh, Shin, Japanese gentleman who did the movie who uh, you know didn't really know anybody. It's pretty funny if you watch the special features of the 2007 edition of them interviewing him. He didn't really know. He's like, ah, I don't know. Yeah. The movie. Well, you know, even when you watch like uh, you know the I want to say recent but now it's been you know Several several years with the run of like the DC straight to oh yeah yeah video like animated movies and the Marvel ones like there's always seems to be there's like a director and then there's like the director of the voice talent yeah so I mean I don't think it's uncommon that like the director of one of these animated movies you know he's just there to piece together like kind of the technical aspects of it I would assume the aesthetics not like and that. then you yeah. have somebody else who's really dealing with the voice talent and getting the performances yeah um, so it doesn't really surprise me I mean it's all a really interesting process um, it's a shame you know so much of it is done with computers now and not so much uh, you know hand drawn and whatnot. Yeah. but um, you know it's uh be, uh, you know, if you haven't seen it, and if you've never seen it, and you're and you're a fan of Transformers, like definitely, I would say you, oh, have, yeah, yeah, you should clutch, see this. Yeah. If you haven't seen it for a really long time, I would say that uh, it's worth checking out again, but don't get your hopes too high for it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like be prepared that it's dated, that it's flawed, and just in, kind of enjoy it for uh, what it is. And for like nostalgic reasons, instead of like really looking for some like awesome movie that's gonna knock your socks off, yeah. But uh, definitely worthwhile. Um, I, I I guess I I feel a little jaded, but I like it better than all f- four Michael Bay movies. Yeah, you know. I don't even think I finished watching it. Like the, I don't even think I got to three or four. I got to the th- <laughs> I got to the third movies. one. The third one's better than the second. The one with the moon. Dark of the Moon, which yeah. one's Dark of the Moon? I Maybe. don't know if I've seen that one. I didn't see, and I didn't see this latest Mark Wahlberg one, but I just think they just dropped the ball on even on that first one because all they do is just not to get into these movies, but all they do is just really make you aware of Optimus and Bumblebee, and that's it. Yeah, everybody else is just a throwaway. You can't tell what's going on. You can't tell who's who. Everybody doesn't look like what they used to look like. <laughs> yeah. You know, the whole genius behind this Transformers is you had, you know, they were all primary colors. You could distinguish who was who they transformed a certain way just like the toy did aside from maybe like megatron or galvatron or a handful but they basically you know looked exactly like how they would be as a toy and in these michael bay movies he with the with the exception of uh, peter cullen 
he recasts all their voices. Uh, I think in the second one, it's like racism with the two, uh, you know, we, you know, blackface minstrel, minstrel robots. Yeah. And it's just silly. And I don't know. It's like, why do you go and reinvent? You have 50 years. Like, you know, it's like you're renting a property, you know, from a company and you're just going to do what you want with it. Why not just, you know, why, why reinvent the wheel? Yeah. It's a, it's a crazy, uh, it's a, it's a crazy thing. I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't remember too much of the cartoon show. I mean, I I don't know how much it would, the story of it, would really translate to, uh, a feature length, quote unquote, live action movie trying to appeal to more people than just our generation. I I don't know, um, but it does seem kind of, uh, you know, not well thought out to be so like not faithful. It seems like to a, it, like a beloved franchise. It seems like it got itself wrapped around. Hey, look, we can do these CGI and make it look like it's practical, and that's it. Like yeah. the, the I mean, the the, the stories are kind of loose, but it's just like you know, humans running around from cities that you've never heard of that don't look like real cities. Aside from I guess they they end up putting them in Chicago, but it's just <laughs> you know. And, and the the big thing is you can't tell who's who. Aside from the yellow bumblebee who doesn't talk, and the red and blue. Optimus, I can't tell who the hell anybody else yeah, is. Yeah. I saw the second one on 70 millimeter, and they, and they shot they shot it on 35, but I think they shot the action sequences on 70 millimeter. And Jesus, all it was was just machinery. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what the fuck was going <laughs> on. Machine porn. I'm just looking at it like, whoa, there's this big red here. There's you know, just things are transforming. I can't tell what's happening. It was just, it's just a. But I just think you could have, you could have just did this movie, fixed the plot holes. Made it live and just made it, you know, had like an ominous villain like, you know, Orson Welles' Unicron and had it just more deadly. There's so much more of a tone set in this movie at the beginning, the first act of just anybody could die. Yeah, Where yeah. in these other, these these later Michael Bay movies, they're just like, you know, it's just eye candy. We don't care if the movie's going to be good or not because we know you're going to go see it. You know, it's almost like that that adage now where they... They'll put, you know, the 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 middle finger up to the to the loyal fans because all they're looking to do is get new fans, and yeah, just yeah. people can say they have that contention with Star Wars or Star Trek. Uh, and I just they did it with Transformers. I think GI Joes were executed better than the Transformers movies, you know, the live action GI Joe movies. But yeah, I don't know. We'll anyway, talk, we'll talk about those next time. Yeah, next time. <laughs> uh, please, in the meantime, check us out at uh, Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. That's uh, Slatter- Saturday Sleepovers dot uh, check uh, Jay Blake and I out at podwits.com. We have a sidecast we do. I'm at podwits.com with weekly podcasts. Uh, Jay, you have a new uh, album out? Uh, JayBlakeBlues.com. You can get information in terms of live shows and where to get my album and stuff like that. He plays music. Uh, check us out here. We do it all the time. Write us, uh, email us, uh, follow us. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on iTunes. Uh, we're online. Uh, uh, let us know. Write, write in. Let us know if you uh, you like what we're saying. You don't like what we're saying. If you have any comments on what, what, what we are saying. If you have any suggestions on what we should do in the future. Uh, let us know. Drop us a line. We're, 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 uh, we're accessible at uh, SaturdaySleepovers.Podowitz.com. We do parties, too. You can rent us out. <laughs> oh, we'll do it for free. We'll come over and watch we'll a movie. We'll come over and watch a movie yeah. with you. Your, your pick. I mean, most of the time we'll, we'll be all right with that. So, um, okay. Uh, we're going to stop down, and we're going to put the old VH tape in of G.I. Joe the movie. We just got to find the darn thing, and uh, we'll, we'll start up with part two of um, Drop Transformers the movie into the rewinder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't let it rewind too long. It'll break the tape. You know, you got to let the thing pop up. Uh, And we'll talk to you in a couple minutes, which will be two weeks in your time. So see you soon. Later. Later.